<laughs> What's up? <laughs> How are you? Good. How are you, man? Not much. Not much. Uh, it's been a beautiful day in Brooklyn, New York. Breaking news here on CBS Sports. It's the Brooklyn Nets coming here. According to a report, Kevin Durant is planning to sign with the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant to the Nets. For the Brooklyn Nets. That is a power move of epic proportions. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. The Nets hit a grand slam. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. These are the two guys you go to bat with. It's, uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant news. Sit down for this. Back to another episode of It's Personal. Today I have, a, I'm going to call you a friend. I'm going to call right. you a friend. We uh, met each other a few years ago at Singapore American School. He was in for some workshop uh, programming with our teachers and I learned so much from this guy. Introduce yourself. I'm Mike Oakes. I'm a staff developer at the Teachers College Reading and Writing Project and I'm super flattered and excited to be on your podcast today, Gary. You know what, Mike? It's like, and I'm and yeah, like, we are friends. Personal, 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 personal. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And you know what? The, the crazy <laughs> part is, like, you have you go through professional development so much, and I'm not, and I wouldn't just say this, um, but like, you go through so much professional development, and sometimes you go away with like little tidbits here and there. You go away with sometimes like tons of information, just overwhelmed. Uh, you did an amazing job with us. And that just, I don't think it's just coming from me either. Like every time we talk about um, workshop or um, what does it look like when someone comes in from TC, we often hear your name come up. And I think it testament to like, just like your craft, like you do a really great job of delivering professional development. So. I don't know if I've ever told you. I think I might have just gave you like a thank you last time you were there, but I I really <laughs> truly appreciate it. And um, a lot of your work again is still seen like within the school. Like yes, like honestly, like last week one of the teachers messaged me and was like, "Do you still have? Do you have anything that? Do you remember when Mike was there and <laughs> using like um, a sketchbook to have like your small conferencing notes?" And I was like, "Yeah, like of course I have that." And they're like. I want to use that to show some other teachers. So again, your your legacy is living on, my friend. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. Wow, that could that has to be the greatest uh, compliment uh, a staff developer I uh, could receive. You know that that's super meaningful, and I mean it's also a testament to the work that you and your team are doing together. I remember two years ago when I visited, just the the culture of your team and the way that you. Um, collaborated the way that you shared ideas just the general vibe that was so positive and and loving it felt like love was there too I agree. Um, it, it makes my job a little bit easier but yeah I remember I remember being in that room I feel like we had like a giant lab site with a lot of kids we did because I think it was two classes. classrooms yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was so fun. that was so fun I don't know how many classes did we have I think we had two or three it might have been actually, it might have been actually three, but I can't remember for sure. But there was a lot of kids there, a lot of that kids. That was amazing. That yeah. was so much fun to work with like 60, 80 kids. Yeah, and stuff. that's really cool. And you know, I got to give credit to my colleagues at you know Teachers College Reading Ride Project and all the other people that I've worked with. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know if I uh, I can give myself credit for things that I share. Um, I, you know, any any good teacher stands on the shoulders of other 
uh, of other colleagues and teachers mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. You want to give credit where credit is due. Personal, personal, personal. Of course. Um, but yeah, I, I do in my staff development. I I try to go big picture as much as possible. You know, because mm -hmm. when you go big picture, you can kind of sustain things a little more. I hope. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a good reminder for me that you know sometimes. Um, um, thinking from a teacher's point of view, people want the, the thing that they can take the next day too. you know, the thing, like you mentioned, the sketchbook with your, your conference, uh, your conference notes and your small group plans, like that stuff is, that stuff can go both long-term and can be implemented, you know, tomorrow. Exactly. Exactly. You know, if you, you go to a professional development and sometimes you get overloaded with just like, here's all this information. Right, and you don't know what to do with it. Like you, you want to try some stuff, and I think one of the things again that you did so well was like, I'm not gonna overload you with stuff. Like I'm gonna show you, we're gonna talk about it, and then you're gonna take something, you're gonna try to implement that one thing, like next week, and you're very clear on like not rushing into doing everything all at once. So that was another thing that we took away. Like it's a process. Like you can't just all of a sudden be amazing at conferencing like it takes time so again excellent job so mike uh, i'm gonna just hop right into this to be honest so you are living in new jersey right now new uh brooklyn brooklyn sorry yeah. um and i must say i have been seeing you've been at a lot of a lot of brooklyn games yeah yeah um, that the nets man yeah how, how do you how do you feel about brooklyn right now the brooklyn nets how do you feel about them um, I'm feeling good. I mean, I've stuck with them now for, uh, you know, I've been a Brooklyn Nets fan for about three or four years. Uh -huh. I, live, I live like a mile away from Barclays Center, you know, so I can walk to the games, which is really fun. Uh -huh. And I've stuck through some rough years. Um, the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> that is a power move of epic proportions. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. It's, it's cool because you look at, again, where they were even two years ago, three years ago, and just the changes. Who's like, who's your favorite player? Do you have to have a favorite player on the Brooklyn Nets or can you kind of outsource that? <laughs> um, you know, I really, I just love the whole team. When I'm, when I go to a game, I'm looking for the guy who's not out on the floor yet. Uh -huh. You know, I was, I was really a big fan of Karis LeVert mm -hmm. um, at the beginning of the season. He was really hot and then he, he, um, he hurt uh, himself. located his uh -huh. ankle. I think Jarrett Allen is a lot of fun. He gets a lot of dunks per game. Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't, you don't expect it, but he, um, he is, he, he is really showing up. Who's the the younger guy on that team? Tall, long, uh, Rodion's Kuroks. Yes, that's him. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I love like I love that kid, man. He <laughs> is going to be a good basketball player. Like he got benched and he was not on the starting five for a few games, and so he took that as an opportunity to sort of like, you know, turn it, turn it back on again. He's coming into his own and a lot of fun. He's going to be a good basketball player. Like you, you love watching like rookies and I say it like looking at them, obviously they're professional athletes, but a lot of them are still trying to figure out like their footing. I feel like he's going to be a really key, key factor in what, what they're doing in Brooklyn. So personal, 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 personal. Mike, tell me more about like just like your childhood. What did that look like for you? Yeah, I grew up in the upper Midwest. Uh, I grew up in uh, right on the border of Minnesota and Wisconsin. Uh -huh. 
Oh, so I have that. I might have some elongated oars um, up in my accent there. I grew up in a place called Hudson, Wisconsin, which is on the St. Croix River. It's a border river between um, Minnesota and Wisconsin. Uh, a lot of my ancestors are from Minnesota, but I grew up in Wisconsin. My passport says Wisconsin, USA. So what that means is I often identify as Minnesotan <laughs> um, in my, you know, a lot of the sports teams that I follow. Um, but whenever it's, um, it's of use to me, I'll say, yes, I'm actually a Wisconsinite. You know, borderland, <laughs> identity, you know. Um, it, it's a big deal in the upper Midwest, whether you're from Minnesota or Wisconsin. Uh -huh. um, so it's this thing that I wrangle with in life. Um, but I also spent part of my childhood in, um, in Minnesota, uh, so half my childhood in Wisconsin, half in Minnesota, in the general Twin Cities area, okay. uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Yeah, so um, probably lots of snow growing up. Lots of, um, yeah, there, could, there, there would be snow on the ground from Thanksgiving wow. in November till, you know, uh, March and April. Like not even melted. It would just stay on the ground. Tough times, man. I, yeah. I, I get it, like being from the East Coast in Canada. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah you wake up, and you, see, you see snow for like the longest time. Any sight of sun, you are like, ex you are excited. You are overjoyed. You are wearing shorts. Like there's times where you just want to wear shorts. It's like snow outside. 40 degrees. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. What is your like, what would you say your schooling looked like when you were younger? My schooling, uh, from kindergarten to fourth grade, I went to Catholic school. Okay. I went to St. Pat's Elementary School, and I had a good experience there. You know, I, I hear a lot of, like, old school Catholic schools, like, full of, like, nuns and rulers and stuff. There was none of that. Mm -hmm. um, there was a nun who was a principal, I think. Um, and all I remember of her was bringing, like, big giant bags, like humongous, like trash bags of like popcorn to recess and just like sharing it with kids. Like she was a great one. Um, and I remember we had like, since it was private school, we had like, like three recesses a day, which was amazing. It was, all, so it was a long school day, but it, it, was, it was fun. And I think, hey, that's my puppy Leffy saying hi. <laughs> Labrador retriever, hey Leff, you're, you're not, you have not been invited on this podcast. <laughs> is it, is it she, or she or he? She. She. She? Yeah, she. No, um, she's always invited. Always she's invited. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> welcome, everybody. This is Laffy. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, some formative experiences that I had uh, that I would say at this school, uh, there was a couple of them. One was in uh, second grade, and I had this teacher, Mrs. Anderson who was very traditional in the morning. She was very like skill and drill. I remember worksheets, phonics worksheets, math worksheets where they were like timed, like all this like competition and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then in the afternoon, it was, it felt like really like progressive, constructivist. It was really like, do what you want, man, as long as it's learning. And it was so cool. So she would just say, you know, set up all these independent projects in the room and you could do really whatever you wanted as long as it had to do with learning and so wow i'm with my best bud dan we decided uh that we wanted to write a story together mm -hmm. and 
had this brilliant idea for a story. It was uh, about a man who was unhappy. He was feeling like unhealthy and unfit, uh, but he lived at the top of a hill. And at the bottom of the hill was an apple tree. And he had this idea that he would run up and down the hill. And every time he got to the bottom of the hill, he'd eat an apple and then he'd run up the hill. And so this book, you know, imagine a second grade book. It's, it, we wrote it on that old school paper where it had like the dotted lines on the bottom and the, and the big space at the top. I don't know if you had that paper. Yeah. Um, and so basically each page was the man. I don't remember the man's name, but um, each page was the man either at the top or the bottom of the hill <laughs> running. And he would get progressively like fitter and stronger each page. And by the end, he was super healthy and happy and fit. And we, we showed this to our teacher. She helped us all along the way. Uh, she supported us. We like, we, we made the book, we made the pages. We put like red construction paper for the cover. We cut it out in the shape of an apple and we titled it. Was, we got to share it with the class. It was the most amazing experience. Um, that, that I had, it was like, it truly influenced me as a writer. And, you know, I look back on it, like, what were the, the things that happened? It was choice. I got to choose what I wanted to write about. Of course, of course. Choice of who I wrote with, you mm -hmm. know, we could write anywhere in the room. Mm -hmm. um, she, she gave us help. Like, all I remember is, I don't remember a bunch of critiques. I remember just like supporting, like encouragement. Yeah, and keep going. Mm -hmm. And then celebration. And and, and we got to share it with the whole class. And it was a really special thing. And I have not forgotten that as a grown-up today. That's one uh -huh. of the few things, you know, uh, that, that I, you carry. You can only remember so much in your life, especially when you're, you know, seven years old. And that's one thing that I've carried with me. It's, sure. it's so funny because it's like everyone that I talk to, um, especially educators, they know who those teachers are. Who are the teachers that made experiences for them that... Absolutely have been able to like continue on with them and having a teacher like that is a game changer right it's a absolutely it's like as a having a teacher like that is so important because it makes you feel like you're wanted like you're being listened to like yeah. can you talk to me a little bit about like the power of just like choice in general and not just with like writing but like with reading with like just personalized learning like all that stuff how how do you see that playing in not just elementary like all classrooms so i think choice i think also the the word i almost go to a lot of times is agency you know having agency over over one's learning and it's you know i just think of like the the five w's and the one h the who what when where why and how you know like let me think of uh i learned to play the the guitar and um i remember when i i I went to my guitar instructor. He gave me a lot of choice. He said, "Who do you who do you want to play?" Right? And I said, "The Beatles." Right? And he was not a big Beatles fan, but he said, "You know what? If that's going to get you to learn the guitar, then Beatles it is." Yeah. Um, but I felt like I could choose anything. I couldn't choose to um, tune the strings any way I wanted. It's not like I could play up well upside down. I guess Jimi Hendrix played upside down, but um, a lot of guitar players could play upside down or backwards anyway. But you know what I mean? It's about what. Yeah. I, I mean is like um, widening the goalposts for learners. Um, widening the goalposts for learners. Um, and I think another good word is latitude. Giving learners uh, more latitude over their learning. Giving learners uh, more latitude over their learning um, within parameters. I mean, because that's I think part of a teacher's job too is to say, here are 
here are the boundaries and we can explore those boundaries for sure. And maybe let's push them, push me a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but here's what we can explore. Um, and so that what that does is that just leads to more engagement and investment and learning. And that, isn't that what we're all about is uh, having kids become lifelong learners or independent in, in, in any, any regard, self-regulated. Mm -hmm. um, and so the more we hand off to learners, the more they take on. Um, and so the more we hand off to learners, the more they take on. And, mm. you know, in some ways, I really think that we're trying to, you know, teach ourselves out of a job. Mm -hmm. uh, and every year we do. We're only with kids 180 some days a year. Exactly. Um, exactly. And it's not even the full day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Portion I, of that. Yeah. I think that's so, it's so important. Like, I remember when I first started teaching and it was very... I was like a deer in headlights. I just wasn't really sure what to do. And I found myself talking so much after reflecting and going to professional development and talking to other teachers. And once I found how to stop my facilitating to the point where I was not like just like sharing information and telling them what to do, it's, it was such a game changer. Like watching the kids figure stuff out on their own is so powerful. Yeah. Um, what would you say, you were talking about that teacher, um, what would you say one characteristic that stands out from that teacher if you had to name one or two? Like what would be one of those characteristics that stand out from them? Um, you know, the first, you know, if we're just going to play association, the first word that comes to mind is she was very calm. Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember her having a lot of strong emotions <laughs> either way. <laughs> uh -huh. Very calm and gentle. And I, you know, I've had all other teachers who are boisterous and funny. I've had teachers who are intense um, and had a lot of high expectations. Um, but I just remember having a degree of peacefulness and calm, calmness, and it just allowed you to be the learner that you were. Mm -hmm. um, because nothing would ruffle her feathers. Nothing, you know, imagine a room full of, what is it, six, seven-year-olds. That's not an easy job. No. And she was, I just remember her being peaceful and calm. Mm -hmm. And I think that allowed us to, to be the learners we were, mm -hmm. honestly. Yeah, and it's crazy, but I think, and you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but how important is patience when you're just a teacher in general? Yeah. Well, every teacher's got their own personality. And so I don't exactly. know, I'm not necessarily saying that everybody has to be calm. But I'm just saying in this, mm -hmm. this particular teacher, that was her strength, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but patience, yeah, patience is, patience is almost <laughs> everything. I mean, you know, to, to take a moment, take a breath and be like, okay, mm -hmm. this is a child. You know what I mean? And this mm -hmm. child is learning right now. And they're learning how to go about the world. They're not just learning how to read and write. Mm -hmm. They're learning how to interact with their peers. They're learning how to interact with other adults mm -hmm. and absolutely patient. And patience is, um, patience is a thing that I think we can all learn. And I think when we as teachers model that patience, mm -hmm. uh, kids see that. Kids see that. Oh, this is a way to react to things. And one way you can react to things is with, with patience and, and calm and love, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, mod mod modeling. What's up, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to It's Personal. Tune in tomorrow for Mike Oak's second part of this series. Stay with me. If you haven't subscribed already, feel free to do so. I will love you regardless.